yeah. So our great responsibility is a collection of Bill W. as well as some other people's talk. It's on page 104. It says, we live in an era of change. Our 12 steps probably won't change. The tradition's not at all likely. But our manner of communication, our manner of organizing ourselves for function, for service, let us hope that this goes on changing for better forever. Right, Bill W. wrote the concepts so that we can change Alcoholics Anonymous if we need to. And that's what this is saying. I hope we continue to change because I really do believe that virtual hybrid, it's the future of carrying the message. It's just a different vehicle. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Hiya, Sam. You were at Prasa recently, which I learned is not the name of a blood pressure medicine. <laughs> well, I imagine that maybe there were some blood pressure changes while at Prasa <laughs> because, you know, it, it's the Pacific Region Alcoholics Anonymous Service Assembly which means a bunch of us general service nerds got together. And you know what happens when service nerds get together? We have some really good conversations. <laughs> it was a blast. I had a great time. Yeah, and probably your blood pressure went down in the process. It totally did. <laughs> I like being with my people. You said that someone was asking, why are we missing opportunities like streaming PRASA for so many other people to be informed? It's a good question. Why not broadcast the whole convention? But that's not that easy to accomplish. There's a lot involved. Are they going to participate or are they only going to watch or are they just going to listen or can they vote? And that's hard to pull off. There's a lot of moving parts to something like that. And so just a normal event would have a lot of complicated processes. But you throw on top of it the anonymity nature of Alcoholics Anonymous yeah. and the fact that we would really want only members participating throws into it another thing. It's a complex issue that will not be solved today, Don. <laughs> well, that, yeah, online is here to stay. Oh, yeah. There was a COVID lockdown. And in this area, we needed an online meeting. And I started one that's still going on today. It's called Shivering Denizens. You can find it at nc23.org. We realized that if it was going to continue after about a year, we needed a home group mm -hmm. because I was like running everything. And it's, you know, that's not the way AA works. Yeah, so you I were just, totally heading into bleeding deacon territory. No, completely. I mean, there was <laughs> blood all over everything. And so... I, I had to step back and we formed a home group and got a GSR and started participating in the service structure and rotating responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a viable meeting. And I know quite a few people that got sober online and are still sober today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, the online only and hybrid meetings, they're here to stay. The thing that's out now is, especially in an online-only meeting, how are they represented in the general service structure? How do they have a voice and a vote in Alcoholics Anonymous? Those are big questions that are going to be addressed at this year's conference, in fact. Mm -hmm. But I go to a, a hybrid meeting, and due to the available technology at the church where this meeting meets, 
we have a giant screen TV. Well, this is like thousands of dollars to put together, but it's a perfect hybrid meeting because everybody is involved. Everybody can participate equally. It's kind mm -hmm. of unusual, but you need, it works if you get the right equipment. And that equipment, thankfully, is already in place in a space that you are renting for that yeah. meeting. Yeah, it's very fortunate that we have it. Other groups looked into us it like, there's no way we can put this together. Yeah. So there's there's so many moving parts to all of this. I think it's a good topic for discussion. As a matter of fact, Don, today's episode is a hot topic. Ooh. And it's one we're all involved in, in one way or the other. The AA group of today, physical, virtual, and hybrid. We have two guests with long-term sobriety, Jeff B. and Monica F., both are well-qualified. Jeff is the online intergroup of AA secretary, and Monica is a past delegate and runs the online Second Wednesday monthly area service sharing session. Both of our guests are experienced in all aspects of AA, in person and online. There's a lot to talk about. That's good, because this is an audio podcast. <laughs> Hey, Don, how can I support The Grapevine Podcast? Since The Grapevine is self-supporting, we don't sell ad space in our magazines, on our website, or even on our podcast. Grapevine doesn't even accept contributions from AA members. What? If you want to support the podcast, visit aagrapevine.org and click on store. It's time for our hot topic, the AA group of today, physical, virtual, and hybrid. First, we'll meet Jeff B. and then Monica F. Well, thank you, Don. Thank you, Sam. My name is Jeff, and I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is August 1st, 2003. My home group is an online home group, the Back Porch International. I have a recovery sponsor, and because I do a lot of service work in AA, I also have a service sponsor. I served as the Panel 69 delegate in Area 44, Northern New Jersey. What does Panel 69 mean? It was the 69th conference since the conference started in 1951. So I heard that you can deduct 50 from the panel and you get the year of the panel. <laughs> well, no, you... you... Oh, so, Don, you have gone down the nerd rabbit hole really yeah. quickly. Now, so, so you said panel 60. Panel 69. So you take 1950 and add the panel number to come up with the year. So 1950 plus 69 gives you 2019. Oh, there, there you go. I knew there was a formula. There is a formula. And you can probably do that without a calculator, Don. <laughs> And then I also uh, currently got involved with the online intergroup of AA. And in December of last year, I was elected as the secretary. When you came to AA, what was happening to you that enabled you to surrender to this process of getting sober in AA? In 2003, I had gotten my second DUI. Before that one went to court, I got my third. So you lose your license for two years. For your second, you lose it for 10. Try getting around to New Jersey 
for 12 years without a car. Mm. Right. What do you have to do? You have to ask a lot of people for rides and you have to ask a lot of people for help. So I'm convinced that my higher power, which knows that Jeff doesn't ask for help, he made sure that Jeff learned how to ask for help. How'd you hear about AA? Well, the judge for my third one basically gave me a choice. He said, Jeff, you can go to jail for 90 days or you can go to rehab. And for every day you're in rehab, I'll take one day off of a 90-day sentence. And for every three AA meetings you do when you come out, I'll take another day off. So basically, he was trying to get me to do a 90 and 90. You got a nudge from the judge. I got a nudge from the judge. And when I was sober for a year, I wrote that judge a letter thanking him, which is, I'm very sure, different than the kind of letters that the judges usually receive. Uh, But but for me, it was a wake-up moment, basically. So here I am. I'm in rehab. Several things happened there that kind of set my recovery in the right path. I met a woman whose license plate was actually Step 11. And at the time, I had no idea what that meant. Step 11 sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Absolutely. And so I was talking to her. She wasn't my counselor, but uh, I had a very rocky relationship with my father. I tell people, you know, that my dad basically had two emotions, anger and rage, right? And he was very negative and very critical. And I never really felt like he loved me. And that really colored a lot of my life. This woman gave me a breakdown of the Lord's Prayer. And in the part where it talks about forgiveness of others, it had a way that you could forgive anybody for anything. And I did that. And I did that for my father right? And it started that healing that I needed to do with him. He died two years before I got sober. It would end with me making my my ninth step amends to him at his graveside, right? And finally putting that relationship in its proper place, right? The other thing that, that this woman did was she did these guided meditations at night. So at 11 o'clock, you had to turn off your lights, go to bed, you couldn't read, And so for no other motivation than to not go to bed at 11 o'clock, which I had never done in my life, I went into the cafeteria with my pillow and my blanket, and we did these guided meditations. And they were wonderful. Mm. We walked along moonlit shores. We listened to the birds in the lake, right? And for the first time in my life, I felt peace and tranquility. I had never had any peace, any serenity. That's why that ninth step promise, we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace, is one of my favorites. It started for me a practice of meditation, which I had never considered. I thought it was boring. You fall asleep, you know. And to this day, I start out every day with meditation and later added prayer to that as well. When I got out of rehab, they made you make a list of where you're going to be for the next seven days what meetings you're going to go to. So I got out on a Saturday and the meeting was at eight o'clock, one town over from me. I went there to that meeting, not knowing what to expect. And I raised my hand and I said, hey, I just got out of a rehab eight hours ago. And they took that meeting and they, they told me what to do. They told me, get a home group, get a sponsor, go to a lot of meetings, work the steps. Two days later, I went to my first step in tradition meeting, which was run by two guys 
named Bill and Bob. <laughs> and, and, and the Bill was this guy, Bill B, who had 50 years of sobriety, who went to meetings with Bill W in northern New Jersey. And it was a really great meeting. We did a step a week. We read it out of the 12 and 12. But before that, we read the tradition out of the 12 traditions illustrated. So I learned my steps and my traditions. You're carrying all of that with you through to today. Oh, yeah. I'm a big traditions guy. I do like a lot of traditions workshops. My recovery sponsees, I take them step by step through the big book. I walk all my service sponsees through the traditions. We read them like people go through the big book. Mm -hmm. And when we're done with traditions, we do concepts out of the 12 concepts illustrated. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Monica. Welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Monica, and I'm an alcoholic coming to you live from the heart of Chicago. My sobriety date is October 12th of 2009. I'm actively sponsored. My home group is the Common Solution Group. We meet on the north side of Area 19, which is Chicagoland, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. And we are a very big, active, open meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. So whether you're an AA member, not sure if you're an AA member or you're in another fellowship, you're more than welcome to attend. So what possessed you to do something drastic like darken the rooms of AA? You know, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous because I had a really bad night. Oh. I mean, that's the short of it. It wasn't any different than many of the other times that I got drunk and crossed a lot of lines and did a lot of things that my parents never raised me to do. My last drunk was actually at a company event. I know, right? Really bad. So that morning, I took 150 people to a Kansas City Chiefs football game, and we started drinking at about 9 a.m. with the Bloody Mary bar and a margarita bar and top shelf bars, all you can drink, barbecue, right? And, you know, if you wanted a Chiefs jersey, I was more than happy to buy it for you with the company credit card, right? Completely disrespectful of my company. Mm. And so I spent money like I didn't have a care in the world. And then after the game, we continued to drink at one of my favorite dive bars, right? I love those bars where your feet would just stick to the floor and you could go <laughs> in the corner and you could hide and you could drink and nobody would bother you. But then things got a little bit fuzzy and I'm not a hundred percent sure what happened the rest of the day. But what I will tell you is the next morning I woke up in my hotel room with the alarm going off and the phone ringing. I was not a hundred percent sure what time I got home or who I had been with or what I had done. And Bill Wilson really describes this best in the big book. He says the horror and the remorse of the next day are unforgettable. And that is exactly how I felt. And so I begin to piece together what happened. I'm going through my phone. What text did I say? What receipts did I have? What money did I spend? And so the short of the story is I get home. I suddenly fall to my knees and I say the words out loud that I had known for so long. And that is I'm an alcoholic. <sighs> and so I called in to stick to work the next day and I'm going to get myself a therapist. So I get a therapist, the therapist clears his schedule, he gives me like two hours, and I say all these things that had been on my mind for such a long time that I wasn't about to say, but I picked a therapist who was familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous, and so he said, you need to go to AA. I said, nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. I saw that movie. I know what they do there. I am not going. It's drastic. Need to go to AA. <laughs> oh! So guess what I did three days later? I went to AA. 
I went to Alcoholics mm. Anonymous and I will tell you, my first meeting was horrible. My perception is that they said things to me like, what's your name? <gasps> Speak up. We can't hear you. And I'm crying and no one came up to me. No one gave me their phone number oh. and they held hands and they chanted. And I bolted from that room and I swear to God, I was never, ever, ever going to go to Alcoholics Anonymous again. Nope. Nada. Not going to happen. And then? Seven days sober, I went back to where I had my last drunk in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. I'm there on business again. And I'm like, I, I can't do this. So I called the local Kansas City hotline and I said, I'm in town. I need to go to a meeting. And they're like, there's a meeting a half a mile down the street from your hotel. You should go. And I went. And this man walks up to me and he says, my name's Carl. You look new. <laughs> and I'm like, Carl, I have seven days of sobriety. And he's like, come here. I want you to meet this person. I want you to meet that person. Anyway, it was it was absolutely beautiful. It was absolutely <clears throat> beautiful experience. I think it is. I, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it is so incredibly important for us to welcome people mm -hmm. into the rooms. And I fall mm -hmm. into that trap of I haven't been to this meeting in a while. I don't know if you're new or if I just came when you weren't here. And so I am naturally not inclined to introduce myself. Right. Always greet the newcomers. Yeah. Even if they're not newcomers. Well, our primary purpose is to carry the message to the alcoholic that's still suffering. It doesn't say to the newcomer. And that person who's suffering could have double digit of sobriety. We don't know. Yeah. You can't see pain sometimes. Monica, what was something that happened in AA that turned everything around for you? So I think what happened to me is a different type of sponsorship. And I say that because I did sit in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous for my first seven months and I didn't get a sponsor. And I heard the words that you said, and I saw the steps on the board, and I was like, I am not doing that. I am not going to tell them every deep, dark secret, and I'm certainly not going to make amends for it. <laughs> I don't know what I did to them. Why would I tell them? And I got a sponsor, and she took me through the book, book, line by line, page by page. But about three and a half years into my sobriety, we changed relationships. We were no longer sponsor, sponsee. We just became friends in Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I went interviewing people again. And I found this woman who said, well, I don't just take people through the 12 steps. I take them through the 12 traditions and the 12 concepts. And I said, I have no idea what those are. And she said, I'm going to show you a different reaction to life. Because that's why I stay here. I came to Alcoholics Anonymous because I have alcoholism, but I stay because of my reaction to life. And the 12 traditions, the 12 concepts guide me on how to have relationships with other people. And Don, that is what has changed my life. It is the reason why I've worked for my company for 25 years. It's the reason why I've been together with my husband for 18 years. Because without them, I would just, I would be a crazy person. Because you don't do what I want you to do, when I want you to do it, and how I want you to do it. And relationships are my biggest problem. And so I will push me onto you to get you to do what I want. And that's not a relationship at all. That's like dictatorship. <laughs> Learning about three legacies, that's changed my sobriety. It's changed my life. I'd like to dive in deep with both of you yes. about your recovery and how you're staying sober. But we want to get to our hot topic. The AA group of today, physical, virtual, hybrid. Jeff. Yes. We got from you group inventory questions for online groups. So I got involved with online groups back at the beginning of the pandemic. Our intergroup would only list online groups that were associated with a brick and mortar group that met at the same time. 
So I said, well, you know, I've heard of this organization, the Online Intergroup of AA. Let's see if we can get listed with them. I, I went on their website. There's a way for you to list your group with OIAA. And uh, we got listed. And they jumped from like 10 members to 40 because people could now find their meetings. I've heard someone say that if you do list there, OIAA, all of a sudden you are broadcasting to much more people and the participation goes by leaps and bounds. You need to be ready for that with your group. You do, especially since in addition to broadcasting to AA members who are looking to find online meetings, you're broadcasting to Zoom bombers as well, mm. right? So, so your group really has to understand how to keep the members of your group safe. So there's a new position. We look at what service positions exist in our groups. Well, an online group needs to have Zoom operators who know how to keep bombers out of the meetings because they are exceedingly disruptive. Yes. And one of the things we do at OIAA is we actually do safety workshops where we will give an online guide on how to keep your group safe, to set up a meeting room, you know, to make sure that, you know, before somebody comes in, they turn their camera on so that you can see it's a real person, you know, to keep them muted and only be able to speak when the host unmutes you. How do you find online intergroup AA and get these resources you're talking about? So aa-intergroup.org. They have an incredible meeting directory. OIAA currently tracks 6,500 online meetings worldwide in 14 different languages. Fantastic. And I learned something. Your meeting finder on your website adjusts for the time zone that the visitor is in. Absolutely. So meetings are super easy to find, even if they're happening on the other side of the planet. Yeah. And when you come in, it will give you the meetings that are going on now within your time zone. And then you could filter it based on day. You can filter it based on language. You can even filter it based on needing verification that you attended the meeting. Oh, So there are a number of meetings for people who are required to do that through the courts, like I was required to do for about a year. Okay. So now back to group inventory. You know, Bill Wilson talked about the flying blind periods that we've had in Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, we're flying blind to a large extent with online groups. Yes. You know, an online group can be just as robust as an in-person group and can have all the same things that an in-person group has. They can have the meeting before the meeting. They can have the meeting after the meeting. There are service positions. There are commitments, right? They can have a GSR, a general service rep, by the way. They can have an intergroup rep. And in my group, we have a GVR, a grapevine rep, to get the message of the grapevine out there. Well, I like this question. What successful outreach methods does your online group use to encourage AA newcomers to attend and return rather than somebody just appearing on the screen and then disappearing? Well, th that's a good question. There are several ways that online groups can encourage newcomers. When the meeting starts, one of the early things that we do, in the same way that we do it in an in-person meeting, we ask if there's anybody new to AA. Is, is this anybody's first meeting? And we ask people to identify themselves and give us their day count if they want. 
Okay. We also will have members of the group put their phone numbers and email addresses in the chat so that newcomers can find a sponsor if they need to. Online groups do chips the way that in-person groups do as well to let newcomers identify their periods of sobriety, 60 days, 90 days. And so. Thanks, Jeff. Monica, can you tell us a little bit about making the most out of online meetings? In 2020, we had a big increase of online presence, right? And that was a huge silver lining that allowed AA to make some very big advancements that would have taken many, many years if this compelling event had not happened. So our mushrooming effect got to continue. I mean, we've always said that AA can be carried through the mail, right? And through the jails. And now we just have a different vehicle. I started sponsoring people on FaceTime years and years ago. And I've had sponsees that are not just in the United States, right? They're in Mexico, they're in Canada, they're in Texas, they're in Florida. And so now we just have a different platform, a different vehicle in which we can carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. And what I have found is that people really crave learning. And there are so many different barriers for whatever reason that comes up that someone can't participate in a physical setting. So we have these virtual and hybrid settings that allow people to fully participate, right? Jeff was talking about some service work, but also the ability to learn more knowledge. So speaking about anonymity and the internet, by nature, the internet, especially for us to be found by the newcomer, needs to be open. Yeah, you know, our 11th and our 12th tradition talk a lot about anonymity. I think we definitely need to set up some safety precautions. Um, and Jeff, it's really good to hear that OIAA has various different workshops that you can utilize. I think that's fantastic. But I also truly believe there is no difference between a physical meeting and a virtual meeting. And that who you see here, let it stay here, right? Here, here is in every single setting that we have, whether it's physical, virtual, or hybrid. And so we definitely need to have that respect of people's individual's anonymity. But we publish our physical settings. And so we should publish our virtual settings as well. But I do also believe that we've got some great guides in our traditions. It needs to be a group discussion with an informed group conscience on a vote, if you would like to do that, and participate by sharing that information. And then again, we need to be respectful of the people that are there. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about participating in an online meeting and how to get the most out of it. Because I know some people who feel that online meetings are not adequate. So Monica... What do you think about online meeting hygiene? <laughs> etiquette. <laughs> etiquette. Etiquette, I mean. Etiquette. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a great question. You know, and, and I didn't see too many people judging how people participated in a meeting until we had such an influx of virtual, right? People didn't come up and talk to me about the way I was participating in a physical meeting. But now that we're in this virtual meeting, it's like, oh, you shouldn't be eating. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, you shouldn't, 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 right? I don't see a shouldn't anywhere in the AA conference approved literature. <laughs> what I do see is a bunch of recommendations. And I think a lot of it can come from sponsorship. My sponsor told me, if you're going to, again, a virtual meeting, it's no different than a physical meeting. Turn your camera on, be present, put away the phone, just like I do in physical meetings. But I also mm -hmm. have to keep in mind that it's love and tolerance, right? If you choose to multitask during a virtual meeting, it's your program. But for me, I have to physically be here. 
I have to physically be present and fully participate. And for me, that means my camera on. That means me taking service commitments. That means me taking notes and bringing my literature the exact same way I would in a physical meeting. And if, if you don't want to do that, that's all good. But I couldn't stay sober that way. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, now, one of the things that I have a real difficult time with is fellowship in an online meeting. Uh-huh. When I attend a meeting in person, the meeting before the meeting and the meeting after the meeting, right. I'm not talking to the entire room. Right. I'm talking to a small cluster or one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not been able to replicate that in an online meeting situation. How have other people dealt with that? It can be a little more challenging in an online situation. What some groups do is before the meeting, they'll have breakout rooms. So you can go into a breakout room and talk with two or three people before the meeting. So if you wanted to, you know, say, go off and talk with Don by yourself and a few other people, you can bring them into a breakout room and do it in that fashion. But but what I find, like my home group, the Back Porch International, there's about 40 to 60 people that show up on a daily basis. You get to know the people. You get to know, you know, Don and Judy in Florida and Marty and, and his wife out in Long Island. You get to understand what's going on with them. You get to talk with them. You know, you can have those personal relationships. But what I find is that a lot of people realize that to get into a meeting, you can show up 15 seconds before the meeting. And when online meetings started, people were coming 10, 15 minutes beforehand, having that meeting before the meeting. But now I find that a lot of people just show up right before the meeting, do the meeting, and then they're gone. To me, they're they're not getting the benefit of having the meeting before the meeting and the meeting after the meeting like you would have with an in-person meeting. Say someone is new or considering if they are an alcoholic, is it okay to go to Zoom meetings and leave your camera off and not talk? Monica? Yeah, 100%. Again, however you choose to participate, you can participate. In fact, at our last general service conference, uh, which is our annual business meeting, right, we passed that we were going to change some language so that we could talk about using cameras and how you'd like to say your name, right? Um, You guys in this particular session have your full names. I've chosen just to say Monica F. That's okay, right? But I'm not anonymous amongst you. I have no problem giving you my full information. Think what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Jeff was talking about breakout sessions. That's a fantastic idea. There's another meeting that I don't always go to, but they start half an hour early and they're like, bring your dinner, right? This is a seven o'clock meeting. Bring your dinner at 630. Let's cool. all eat together. Just like you would go and grab a donut and a cup of coffee in a meeting. Why not have a meal together or afterwards too? That's really cool. I like that. An eating meeting. And eating right. meeting. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the one difference between an online meeting and an in-person meeting is you don't get bad AA coffee. Your coffee can be as good as the coffee that you buy in, in the store. So. <laughs> that is. That's it. Well done. Monica, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to continue this conversation for the next 12 episodes of the po- Oh, wait. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> It's time for listener feedback. Hey, folks, why not write us at podcast at aagrapevine.org or give us a call at 212-870-3418 with your thoughts. 
Operators are standing by. Thank you for calling the AA Grapevine podcast. Your call is very important to us. And now we have an email from Sheila. Hello, I'm Sheila and I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is 2-3-1993. On the Grapevine podcast I listened to today, Don and Sam asked for opinions about open and closed meetings. I believe open meetings are necessary for those who need to learn about AA. I work for a residency program training doctors. We want our doctors to know about AA so they can advise their patients who may have a problem with alcohol. In fact, we have a rotation that requires the resident to attend an open AA meeting. We give them a schedule of the open meetings. I hope open meetings continue. As for closed meetings, I feel more comfortable sharing in a closed meeting. Thanks for letting me share. Sheila. Sheila, thanks so much for writing in. First of all, I love that you give the residents a schedule of just open meetings. I think that's a fantastic way to go, and it just makes it very easy for them. I, too, am 100% for let's keep the open meetings, but that was never part of our conversation that we wanted to get rid of them. We just want to make sure that anyone who is interested in AA knows that they're welcome and what meetings to come to. I, I still love the idea of public meeting and private meeting as well. But I think one of the things that's coming into play here, the way that AA uses the word open and closed is really unique to AA vernacular. It's not used in that way anywhere else that I'm aware of. Therefore, it's not a common understanding out in the world unless you're familiar with AA. So yes, we definitely need to keep the open meetings, and I'm so glad that we have them for our doctors and other medical professionals and other people to come and learn about AA. It's important. Thank you very much for writing, Sheila. We got an email from Vivian. Hey, Don, listen to this. So the subject of the email is anonymous. Yeah. Dang, I had a hard time just spelling the A word. So, hi guys, I'm an alcoholic, and just FYI, I'm 70 years old. So I do have a question. I was checking out the website, and you can do this hashtag thing, but you have to do it on social media. So if I want to share something I heard in a meeting, I have to go to a social media site and do the pound thing? <laughs> then this will show up on my public page. This means my non-AA friends will ask me what the heck I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So now you know why I shared my age with you. Can you just imagine what it's like with a PI background material on the social media info? What a hoot. Thank you for your delicious service, Vivian <laughs> F. Vivian, thank you for pointing this out to us. This is a, a blind spot. This is why I always say pound side hurt in a meeting because I'm 71 years old. <laughs> no, I know what a hashtag is. But yeah, you don't have to do hashtag hurt in the meeting on social media. If you hear something that really works for you and you want to share it with us, but you can also call us or email us and all that information's available at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Yes, I've been reticent for the same reasons to ever share hashtag heard in a meeting. I mean, there's not very much in a meeting that I want to share with a few hundred thousand people. <laughs> oh, I think that your friend list has grown a little bit. 
<laughs> well, who knows what's going to happen on the internet, Sam? What if my hashtag goes viral? Oh, no. <laughs> so, yes, folks, please do. Let us know if you hear something really cool. We'd love to hear from you. Hey guys, this is Brian from Mebane, North Carolina. This is a joke for you. This is an oldie but a goodie from the old ham on rye days. So I have to preface this joke when I'm in certain meetings because some of the folks, particularly if I'm in a treatment center, they don't understand that it's actually a joke. Here it is. If I could drink normally, I'd be drunk every night. <laughs> 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 it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.